Women make up nearly 50% of all gamers, yet only a small percentage of women play esports professionally. It's time we figure out how to change that. The Knights want to empower women to build their esports empire. Along with our partner PNC Bank, we are adamant about creating a more equitable future for gamers. There is no one-size-fits-all solution, so we'll be tackling the issue from all angles, featuring insights from a variety of subject matter experts and professionals. I'm Kat DeShieldsman with the Knights. Welcome to the Women in Esports podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Women in Esports podcast presented by the Pittsburgh Knights and PNC Bank. I'm your host, Kat DeShields Moon. I'm hanging around for season two, and I really appreciate you tuning in. If you haven't checked out the other two episodes, be sure to head over to YouTube. There's a whole bunch of great information and great special guests there. Uh, today, we are going to cover careers in esports. So we're going to tackle how you get into the industry, navigating the space, and how women can level up their career trajectory, which are all awesome and timely topics as the industry continues to grow. So sometimes you are faced with the impossible choice between awesome and awesome. So I think it's pretty awesome that we have two awesome guests for today's show. Please join me in welcoming Auburn Morrow. Uh, she is the esports brand manager for High Res Studios and Dimitri Shan, uh, lead project manager for Skillshot Media. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> so to get things started, let's get go ahead with simple introductions and a icebreaker question. So please take a minute to introduce yourself and then share how you got into the gaming and esports industry. So Avrin, let's start with you. For sure. Um, I'm Avrin Morrow, esports brand manager for High Res Studios and High Res Productions. Um, I've been with High Res for going on four years now. Um, but I got into the industry through a uh, games journalism track. Uh, I was very interested in editing when I was in college. So I took just a weekend editing job at a local games publication and sort of climbed the ladder there. And then while I was doing my reporting for that publication, I happened across esports and there was an esports circuit that I fell in love with and it was Smite Esports. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to do this forever. So I, I put my nose to the ground, uh, snuffed out a job over in their esports department, and here we are. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. And we're definitely going to talk about that games journalism bit because that is very popular along with esports. Dimitri, tell us about how you got your start in the industry. Yeah. So my name is Dimitri Shan, and I am a project manager over at Skillshot Media. Um, kind of got my start by volunteering um, for the High Res Expo. So the company that Auburn works for, they have like the world championship every year. And as a poor college student, I was like, let's go get a part-time job that paid relatively well. So went and volunteered over there, um, met my current bosses there, and then applied for a job. And then the rest was kind of history. So that's me. That's awesome. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for lending your time and expertise. We're excited to have you. So let's jump into the nitty gritty. As a woman, do you feel getting a job or keeping a job in the esports industry is different than if you're a man? I would uh, say yes <laughs> on both accounts. Um, <laughs> I think getting a job is a little bit harder. Um, 
this is obviously a male dominated industry. Um, so a lot of the people that you interview with, a lot of your hiring managers are going to be male. Um, and esports, I think, like like a lot of you know other parts of the game industry, runs heavily on who you know, not what you know. Um, and oftentimes, when women are precluded from gaming spaces, even at the casual level, that has a trickle up effect, sort of to to even the career and professional level, um, where that continues to happen. And then keeping a job is kind of a a, a similar thing, um, where the just the environment that you find yourself in sometimes is um, a little bit more than we we want to handle or we want to deal with. And and I think turnover um, is a little bit higher for women than it is for men. Yeah, I would say about the same. Um, it is a lot different just because esports, even though it's growing and it's kind of big right now, um, how you got into esports a lot of times was through connections. And so if you didn't know the right people or if you didn't start out in like a publisher or in like a QA position, it was really difficult to even get into the gaming industry. Um, well, the esports side of it as well. And then like Auburn was mentioning a lot, like, you know, females, we tend to do a lot of turnovers in the esports um, world just because one work culture and everything that goes on, you know, sometimes in, in regular jobs, females just have to, if they're not respected enough, you know, we tend to leave or find different jobs. But um, yeah, I definitely think there is a difference when it comes to interviewing for it and competing for a job at the same time against a male. So I think they just have a little bit more of an advantage, especially since it is so male dominated. Mm, no, those are wonderful observations and, and certainly true, I'm sure for many. So let's dial it back and make it like super personal for a second, not too personal, just a little bit personal. Um, what advice would you, well, let's backtrack. What does an average day look like for you? And then what advice would you give to a woman who wants to do what you do? Uh, Dimitri, let's start with you. Yeah. Um, so for my job, um, basically as a project manager, we get thrown all sorts of different things, right? So any project manager will tell you your project's never the same, just the topic's the same. So with me, it's like either gaming competitions or it's going to be um, like TV shows or gaming shows. And then there's also your in-person events and virtual events. Um, so for like me, my day varies based off of whatever our client signs us up for just because we are a production company. Um, so my day on a basic level goes with um, compete or like talking to all parties. So basically clients, um, in-house, the production line, organizing the whole entire project based off of what the client wants or what the project calls for. Um, and then handling like the nooks and crannies between like financial um legal and whatnot and things like that so that's generally my typical day um but for anybody who wants to get into project managing just learning the basic of esports and like what it is like i can't tell you how many people i've interviewed who has no idea what gaming or video games are just getting your basics down and i think the like the rest will come as you do the projects and you're being trained and taught so that's me hmm. all right uh it's it's kind of similar for me day to day and it's something new every day there is no real day to day um it's just what whatever gets thrown our way that day that's what we're working on um so a lot of what i spend my time doing um since i've moved into doing brand work and managing our broadcast team is making sure that the product that we ship out the door is the best that it can possibly be 
it looks good it meets all of our branding standards um and it's engaging to the community um and you know meets the goals that we've set out for ourselves internally um and then on top of that i'm managing our broadcast team doing all the people management um making sure that they're empowered to do the jobs that they're there to do um and then helping uh facilitate projects especially with integrations over on game side um so all of our in-game integrations cosmetics merch all of that i help um i help out with all those projects um and i think the advice that i would give to somebody who wants to do what i do um is to stick it out um be willing to own up to your mistakes when you make them um and then learn from them but really a lot of it is not letting other people intimidate you and not being afraid to rise to a challenge um there are a lot of things that i've done on this job that i did not feel prepared to do but in a sense i guess that's what makes leaders is being willing to step up and do what needs to be done um and to execute it as well as you possibly can um so just don't don't let other people undersell your value to you um because we all have a lot to offer man i feel like this like half of what we've already talked about should be a ted talk so uh <laughs> it's in your future if you haven't considered it just just putting that out there in the universe so Auburn, sticking with that advice that you provided, which is, it's so impactful. What advice would you provide to yourself at the start of your career in gaming and esports? I would have told myself to stick up for myself. I let a lot of people steamroll over me. I'm like, I, I, I very much put on, I have an online persona, uh, especially when I was a community manager. I, I had an online persona that I used to sort of interface with our community. But like, just personally, I'm kind of a marshmallow of a person. I'm very soft. I'm very nice. I don't like it when people yell at me and I don't like confrontation. Um, but, you know, in, a, in my time at the studio, I've had to set a lot of those things aside and stick up for myself, not let people steamroll over me, go toe to toe with people who might have more seniority than me in a company, you know, go toe to toe with people who try very hard to like throw their weight around and, and, and make me back down or make me acquiesce to whatever it is that they want to do. Um, and I, I'm learning now that I don't have to do that. I wish I had learned it a little bit earlier um because esports e tends to attract very strong personalities uh you you have to be of, of a certain uh disposition really to be able to do well in this job and and, it, and it's it's a lot of personalities in a high pest in a high pace like pressure cooker type environment and so that does lead to a lot of very confrontational moments and and not all of them good um but learning how to navigate those and stick up for yourself and know when to stand on your own two feet and really fight for something that you believe in or not let people walk all over you is really really valuable no, absolutely. Dimitri, how about you? What advice would you give to yourself? Oh, boy. Um, a little bit's the same of Auburn's, but also just, you know, not being okay with certain things that happened within the, like the industry, like going into it, you know, it was very much you have to have a thick skin, you have to act a certain way, you have to be able to take the punches. If someone's beating down on you, like you have to take it. Um, you can say something, but like it, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think the one biggest thing that, like, if I had to go back and like prepare myself for this industry is, yes, like for Auburn, like yes, it's good to come off as very strong and that I can take whatever, but also at the same time understanding that at the end of the day. Like I come from a very business background, so it was very shocking to me going into esports that 
it's not very business oriented at all. Most times it's like you have to get to know all these different personalities to get to work with them. And they're, you're going to clash a lot because they come from a gaming culture. So I think one thing I would tell myself is, you know, stay, stay strong, just like Auburn said, and don't like, don't let people get to you on the emotional level. And like, just because you're accused of being emotional because of your girl, don't like let it get to you and don't get overly angry and like let it ruin your kind of mentality just because that was a really hard thing for me to get through and it almost kind of destroyed me staying in esports i like very heavily questioned like i love my job but can i stay in this environment so just make like telling myself you can you just need to stand up for yourself more and not let people get away with it so i, I think that's the one piece of advice i would give yeah, no, that's that's great and so so important. So, let's let's make it applicable, applicable. However, you want to say it, tomato, tomato. Um, how, what what processes or resources did you both use to to develop that that ability to stand up for yourself? Was it like a certain moment where it just clicked? You know, was it a slow progression over time? Like, how did that journey look like for you, Dimitri? Let's continue with you. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of it was watching coworkers and other female employees go through things that, you know, I kind of was quiet about. I didn't really say anything um, just because, you know, I didn't want to get in trouble. I also didn't want to like get in trouble with HR or get involved in the situation. So I think a lot of it was watching them and then realizing that it was happening to me. Um, so mine was just like a slow progression. I'm like, between like we all three know each other. I'm a very blunt person and I'm very like, I don't hide my expression if I think you do something not correct. So, and like, I know you and Auburn have seen it a lot when it like certain people do things to me, but um, it was watching all of that happen and being a little bit in denial about like, oh, that's not me because I'm such a strong person and I'm so blunt and I'm so confrontational. like that's not happening to me, but then realizing, yeah, no, it is happening to you. And just because you're blunt or confrontational, you're not when it happens to you. So that was my progression of getting there and understanding and slowly standing up for myself and being like, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Don't tell me that I'm just a girl and I don't know what I'm talking about. Or don't tell me I have all these friends because they're all boys and like they're flirting with me and that I should be cautious of everything and making me very insecure a lot. So I think a lot of it was just watching and growing and like actually within the past like year or two is the only time that I actually started standing up for myself and being like, no, that's not right. Uh, learning to be in a very professional manner. I'll say that to say that well, um, but that's kind of my progression and where I've come to learn to take the advice that I would have given myself. Mm, no, that's awesome. Auburn, how about you? Well, first of all, I have a great therapist. She's amazing. <laughs> that <laughs> is important. She, yeah. <laughs> she's wonderful and she builds me up and, and, you know, confidence and boundaries and those types of things are, you know, something that we're always working on. Um, and a lot of that has obviously been applied to my career, but especially as a, as I've taken on more of a management role, which is rare for women in esports, um, especially as, as I've moved into a new role, um, the, the role demands that I stand up for myself. 
um, that, you know, I'm a more active player in the things that we do and the way that we shape our product. And that means going toe to toe with other people who are managers in the department and really fighting for what I think is right. Um, and a lot of it is just pushing through the initial discomfort and the initial fear of thinking, oh, well, what about the backlash if I really stand up for this? Like, am I going to get in trouble or, or are these people not going to want to work with me? Um, that type of stuff. Working through that um, and getting over that to, to really be able to express yourself uh, in, in a meaningful way. And then also very, very small things like it, it at every level, I think women in this industry are expected to be have as be a certain type of permissive. Um, we we often say things like, I think that we should do this or, well, in my opinion, we should do this. And learning how to cut, I think, and in my opinion, out of your vocabulary when you really know what direction you need to be going in is so valuable because then it doesn't give people the opportunity to undercut you with like whatever they think. Um, it's, it's, it's the difference between providing an opinion and providing direction and leadership. And it's a very, it's a very small but distinct difference, I think. No, that's that's awesome. And you were so right. And just to time out for one second, therapy, there is nothing wrong with it. So I have a therapist and it has done wonders for me. You know, so if you're a woman in the space, if you're anybody in the space and you're just having a hard time processing, um, therapy has worked wonders in terms of just being able to have a sounding board, you know, without any backlash or consequences and a place to kind of like sort yourself out and then find your your voice and your footing. You know, it's a safe space. So d there's nothing taboo about it for anybody who's like, oh, therapy. Nope. You know, sometimes you just need that third party that can kind of help you process things, you know. So um, we'll drop some links to therapy resources, like how you can find a good therapist in the description. Um, it's down below. So definitely check them out and um, go on and be great. But we're going to get back to these wonderful insights that Auburn and Dimitri are dropping. I love it. Okay. So for somebody uh, that is considering getting into the gaming and esports space or is just getting started in the gaming and esports industry, um, how do you maneuver? You know, how do you identify um, you know, opportunities where you can step up and show out, you know, moments where, ah, oh, let me hang back and see what's going on. Like, what, what would that look like? How did that work for you? Auburn, let's start with you. Sorry, I forgot to do that. <laughs> no worries. That's, that's a big question. Um, so for me, I was, I was terrified when I first went into esports. Uh, it was, it was very intimidating. Everybody told me when I first got hired and I told them I was working in esports, they're like, oh, you're going to go work in the frat house, which we're not even going to get into <laughs> like that, that, that type of language, but it was, but it was very intimidating. Um, and I think anybody who like people who work in esports are mostly fans of esports. You're not crazy enough to do a job in esports unless you care a lot about esports and like what it does what it provides you know the culture um so most people who are working in esports or looking to work in esports are already fans on some level and being a fan first and foremost is what keeps you sharp i think um it what it's what keeps you invested um and when all else fails it kind of it's kind of what keeps you going i mean we've worked plenty of HRXs together and you know that it's such a slog getting to it and there are times where you wonder why I mean why am I even doing this and then you get to the event you pull it off and then the hype and the engagement is just so amazing that you're like 
I could do this forever. Um, and so the cycle continues. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think it's important to, you know, kind of, you know, survey the landscape. Um, they're, they're, Esports is changing so rapidly and there are so many new opportunities opening up that the landscape looks a little bit different every day. Um, so it's important to stay sort of in tune with that to understand where the industry is going um, and, you know, where it's at right now and sort of keep your finger on the pulse of that. But sometimes you just have to make your own opportunities. Sometimes you just have to. It's not even about getting the, a foot in the door. It's about just busting the door down um and making sure that you're seen making sure that you're heard you know um one thing we do at high res is is we like to really hire people out of the community because we found that passionate community members make the best employees long term um so our esports community manager for example uh her name's rach she's wonderful um i watched her on twitter for two years just be really passionate about our esport and then when the time came she i was like hey do you want a job because I saw her passion. Um, I saw that she was so smart. She was so confident. Um, and she was so eager to learn and grow and to really contribute something valuable to our scene. Um, so I didn't even have to think about it. It was just like, you know, I see you. I recognize what you're bringing to this space. Please come work for us so we can actually put that to good use. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I love that. Go ahead, Dimitri. <laughs> yeah. Um so a lot of like when people ask me, um, I've been on a lot of panels recently for education with like Georgia Tech. And a lot of the question is, is like, how do I get into esports? What do I look for? Um, what what is it first off? Like, can I even get into it? Um, so I know a lot of people, um, my advice to them generally is a lot like what Auburn says, right? Like, and it goes for any job. If you are passionate about something and you understand that like, oh, I'm really good at writing or oh, I'm really good at being in social media and being a PR person. Um, the biggest thing is like one, having that drive for whatever you're doing, but also esports is unique to where you can pick a lane in so many different areas. Like you can be in a publisher for um, just gaming in general and esports, you have your organizations like the PK Knights. And then you also have the esports side of it where you have companies like Skillshop Media who are solely just into producing content for publishers. So you have different avenues that you wanna go down and the best way to do it, right, is to get interested in it, get your feet wet, take an internship. Um, but also realize that they are very different business models. So there are going to be different aspects. So do you like working with clients and like having that type of industry? Or do you like working with individual players and taking care of them or producing content for them? Or do you like producing games and like helping on that aspect? And I think also understanding and doing the research that in each one of those lanes, there are various amounts of like different career paths you can take that are just not video games and like pro players. So um, I think that one thing to do is to do a lot of research into whatever you are passionate about and understanding that gaming and esports probably calls for whatever you're passionate in between like writing and reading or being a lawyer or being an accountant or being like a project manager. Um, so just realizing that Picking also picking a game or an avenue that you are really super passionate about, because if you're passionate at the end of the day, it's going to drive you to produce your best work. And that's what companies are looking for. So. Mm, sound advice. If I ever heard it, I like I like it. I love it. 
So let's talk about why women should be in the esports space to begin with. You know, there's always the argument that it's like, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, it, who's in it, just as long as, you know, the, the games happen, the teams are doing what they're supposed to do, you know. So why is it important to have women, not even just women, but just diversity in the esports industry? Aaron, let's start with you, unless you're thinking. Then we can go to Dimitri. Or we can ask no, your lovely yeah. cat Moody. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wants so badly to be part of this. Um, so, you know, one thing, one thing that, you know, when, when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, one thing that gets echoed a lot is that representation matters. Um, and it, it used to seem like there were no opportunities for women in esports just because we didn't see women in esports. Um, so every time a woman takes a job in esports, she becomes a visible person who can then inspire other women to take jobs in esports. And, you know, as, as we've seen with, with any type of diversity that you're talking about, um, it's important to have other voices and other perspectives in the room. It's important to have other approaches to solving a problem, other ideas, um, other experiences. Otherwise, your product is going to be a monolith. Um, the product you put out is always a reflection of the team that works on it. And if you don't have a diverse team, you're going to have a very narrow scope in which you think about projects, in which you solve problems, in which you relate to other people. And the company culture suffers as a result. Um, I don't think you can have a truly collaborative and creative work culture that isn't also diverse and inclusive. It's just not possible, um, in my opinion. Um, and... So I think I think that's a lot of it. Um, it's just making sure that there are a ton of different perspectives in the room, so that you can really get a, such a variety of input to make the product the best that it can possibly be. Because um, some people's life experiences just lead them to not think about certain things, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And we're we're serving a. At the end of the day, we're doing a service for our consumers, right? Um, mm -hmm. The the products that we serve to them. Um, have to sort of, in a way, I think, connect with their lived experience. Um, and communities are not a monolith either. Our community is very diverse um, by all metrics. And so for our workforce not to reflect that, I find a little bit disingenuous. Um, and there's just a little bit of disparity there that obviously needs to be corrected. Um, so I think I think the workforce should reflect the, the, the diversity of the community that it serves, the audience that it serves. Um, and having women and other groups, you know, coming into esports and really staking that claim for themselves is really important. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like I think that it's super important to have the voices on the teams and um, in the environment of the community and the service that they are representing. Just like Auburn said, like. Um, I'm going to quote something from your last podcast, but about 49% of females um, are part of the player base, right? So if you don't have females on a team or you don't understand the people who are consuming your material, it comes off as, you know, tone deaf. So there's a lot of things that happened. Um, I think there's a very popular incident in a fighting game community where, um, we all know about the fighting game community, but someone made a very awful comment about females. Um, and then it kind of got like tone deaf and people were upset. Um, not to mention one of the female players in Japan, you know, she is 
one of the top considered one of the top fighting game um, players and she had a lot to say about it and it was a huge thing and it's like you know if someone was behind that camera or someone who was producing the show was a female she could have said it real fast cut that like cut him out like we need to cut to commercial we need to go do something else um, but it was the fact that it was a very slight underhanded comment and no one caught it right so um, there's things like that, especially from like the esports production side, that I think it's very fitting to have a female on the team who understands all of that culture and what's going on. Um, but also, you know, just being representative of everyone in general, you know, is very honorable and also at the same time like a huge feat to make sure you're not being tone deaf or you're not doing things that are crossing the line that you wouldn't have thought of because you just don't have those people on your team. Um, for example, like there's a lot of things about other different cultures, maybe like in Europe, because I'm American, like if we said something, I didn't know. Um, so it's good to have different representation and be very diverse in whatever you're doing. Um, also maybe, you know, not having, if you don't have a team member or you can't like your company technically can't afford the diversity, just getting opinions and talking to that community and getting their opinion and making sure that you're covering all your bases and also just being, you know, educating yourself because no one wants to be that person. Like, um, you're only as smart as you know, but that's not an excuse. So. No, wonderful points. I love it. So, um, Auburn, you made a comment, um, and Dimitri, you agreed that, you know, sometimes you're the first woman in a space, you know, and then now you have all of these other, you know, young girls, young women, the industry, whoever looking at you, you know, and they're like, oh, well, you know, that's Dimitri and she's the only female project manager or, you know, that's Kat and she's the only black woman on staff how do you that's that's pressure right there's some inherent pressure with being the first and having that on your shoulders so what advice would you give to women who are the first at their respective organizations and then what are some things that you've done to 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 navigate you know that burden of responsibility um i think that so i was very um blessed to go into high res who surprisingly had a lot of female employees um, i was very happy to see that there were a lot of different women um, so i didn't at first feel that pressure or that hate because i feel like there was a really good community around us um, but when we you know split off into skillshot um cat when we first went off it was just me and you and then um, life called you other words and then i was the only female on the team um, that being said, there wasn't an outlet for me to express like kind of like a, almost like therapy, almost like, with, you know, with a close friend who can understand what you're going through. So um, having to handle that and be the project manager and be client facing and be a lot of um, things for Skillshot, it was hard for me to get a grasp of, you know, okay, I have all these problems, but I don't want to talk to anyone about it because I don't want to come off as emotional or um, I'm a being a female or I'm being too sensitive and all this other stuff that are typically looked down upon like females. But for me, it was learning that curve was like, okay, you're not emotional. You're just a human first off. So don't silo yourself into that kind of lane. 
also you are strong um you're not overreacting you're not being crazy because if you were a man you wouldn't be called emotional so um having a thicker skin when it comes to people and understanding that the art industry is still changing and that we're still getting to a point where it's becoming normalized to be able for us to express our emotions. It's just, you know, be strong. Don't let their comments cause insecurities. Don't let it get to you. If someone makes like a slight comment about being like, oh, it's great that you're a female. It's like, don't let that get under your skin. It's like things are still changing and progressing. And just make sure that at the end of the day, um, you do have someone you can talk to about it. Like Kat, I know you've been like a great person for me to turn to because um, I'll call you all the time and be like, am I overreacting? Tell me honestly. And you'll be like, no, you're not overreacting. So, um, you know, utilizing the people, maybe, you know, not in the your company, but in the same area. And also, you know, it goes back to your, like a therapy again. Like I think therapy is so important because that is a safe space where you can have an honest conversation and get to what the actual root of the problem is that may be causing pain or issues. So I think that one advice and issue of going into like being the only female is like it's okay to be like a female in the space and compete and be honest because you know at the end of the day we're all humans there isn't like a gender so it's probably what i would say about that yeah i absolutely agree about having a support system and i encourage having a support system that's outside of your job um, especially if you're the first woman in your role, you are not going to have a support network at your job that is going to be able to really give you what you need. Um, so seeking that externally um, and having that in place as you try to you know, embark on this journey is really, really valuable and it helps a lot. Um, and another thing that's helped me is learning not to, this might sound kind of weird, learning not to take it so personally um, when things like microaggressions happen, when people make comments, when people call out my gender in some effort to denigrate me or to dismiss my ideas. Um, it's important to remember that it's not personal. It's not about you as a person or your value as a worker or a human being. It's a preconceived idea about an entire group of people. Um, and whether it was you in the chair or a different woman in the chair, they would be acting exactly the same way, um, which, which helps with not internalizing it quite as much as you would otherwise. Um, and being, being the first is lonely being a trailblazer is lonely um and it it can be a burden in that sense um because there is a lot riding on you people you're you're setting an expectation um but it's also an opportunity in the same sense i think you have an opportunity to set the tone for what women are like in the workplace set the tone for what women can accomplish in the workplace and most importantly and i'm just now you know four years into my career at this company seeing sort of the fruits of this laying down groundwork so that other women and other groups who come after you don't have to go through the same thing. No, that's yeah, absolutely. That was wonderful insight. Thank you both so much for sharing. Um, so we could definitely talk for like four and a half hours, if not more, <laughs> about so many things related to this. But, you know, time is not infinite, you know, and both Dimitri and Auburn have other things to do. So we're going to round this out with just a couple of more questions to close things out. So esports organizations in particular, what can be done in the space to create a more inclusive and accepting um, place for women who want to engage either as players, as 
aspiring esports pros or current esports pros and then as professionals like yourselves? It's it's kind of something you have to, I think, studios, organizations, whatever entity you're talking about, you kind of have to attack it on both fronts. You have to have a leadership culture, a managerial culture that is empowering to women and other groups um, that's inclusive, that actively seeks out diversity and not just to check a quota box, but because they actually value what diversity and inclusion bring to their organization. Um, I'm very blessed to work for a company that believes strongly in that um, and actively pursues values of diversity and inclusion. Um, and at the same time, it, it a lot of it starts at the leadership level, but especially when you're talking about like a game studio or even a community, it also starts at the grassroots level. Um, a lot of times the patterns of behavior that women see that intimidate them or otherwise push them out of gaming start when they're playing games, when they're queuing up casuals and multiplayer. Um, so we have to create grassroots communities that are welcoming and open to women. So we have to start at the bottom and also have it happen at the top. And then those two things kind of converge in the middle to create a full vertical where women feel encouraged to be involved at every single level. Yeah, like I think um, Auburn in her last point also had like a very interesting point that I 100% agree with. It's like, it's the whole concept that you have to let people make mistakes in order for them to realize what's wrong and what's right. So for example, like if we're going into um, a meeting or whatnot, someone does make a side hand comment, not taking it personally, but also understanding, we have to have some type of leeway to let not let these people be afraid of making mistakes. So um, for example, like the can cancel culture and whatnot, like if people are so afraid to say anything or do anything, like how are they gonna ever know they're wrong if they never do it and someone doesn't correct them? Um, so I think making a space that's comfortable and for people to realize, don't overreact when someone calls you out for something, but also for that person calling you out, don't be so harsh on them because they're learning just like everyone else is. Um, also going into like making more of a safe place for everyone, I definitely agree with the, you know, we have to enable and empower the people who we want to take over, you know, next generations and whatnot. And just because we're not seeing it now, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Like when I work with NACE, um, the college esports companies, there are so many girl players. Like we even had a bunch of them compete in like the championships this recently. And even in the high school scene, um, there's so many female players. And as long as we're empowering and we're giving them examples that, yes, it is okay to play video games, it is not a boy thing, and we continue to echo out those um, kind of messages, I think it's going to definitely grow and start investing in a more safe place for females to start rising up and taking more jobs. Because remember, at the end of the day, we all come from a video game background. We all come from gaming culture. And back then, there wasn't a lot of females because of the toxic culture. And a lot of that is dying down now, but we have to continuously feed the growth and make sure we're not going back to how things were and letting people get away with toxicity in a constructive way, also not in a hateful way. So I think investing in a safer space to allow the generations to grow is gonna be what changes a lot of it because um, we are seeing change, but it's gonna come with the lower generation. So investing that time into that community and making sure that they understand what's right and wrong is super important. Absolutely. So you were talking about change, so let, that feeds right into the next question. 
What is your greatest hope for the future of esports? I know, big, big question there. <laughs> <laughs> I can kick that. Like, I don't, um, I think my greatest hope, I mean, I think a lot of people would echo this, especially if they're not in the majority in the industry, is to holistically make a more inclusive space for everybody. Because it's like, you know, when you get different people from different backgrounds, even different games, you know, in the same room talking about it, the energy, it just stacks on top of each other. You know, there's points of discovery where it's like, oh, I would never play that. But, you know, this person's playing it and they're, I'm cool with them. So now you're, you know, cross, um, going across different games and different communities. And it just, it strengthens the overall fabric of the ecosystem when that happens. And it's such a beautiful event when people rally from different perspectives and backgrounds around, you know, like you both said, that thing that you love, that team that you love, that game that you love, you know, that player or shoot, even, I don't know, a character in a game. It could be anything, you know, but you just see a level of community in gaming that isn't easily replicated in other industries that are so, you know, are kind of siloed and it's just like this that one thing and then you have this person that does that one thing. So I would think my greatest hope would be for everybody to realize that there's room at the table for everybody and you don't have to exclude anybody to have a seat at this table. Like in it's a, there's infinite possibilities so long as we all try our very best to be a decent and kind human being. <laughs> so hopefully my rambling gave you a little bit of time to think. I know I've been throwing some big questions at you. You guys have been handling like champs. I love it. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, um, go ahead, Auburn. Go. <laughs> I I think that my. Biggest hope for esports is that the industry at large will finally understand and embrace that esports is the great equalizer. Esports is one of the few competitive spaces that we have right now where gender doesn't matter, where physical ability does not matter. You know, it's not like a traditional sport at any level where you have to separate men from women because of potential physical differences, or you have to be physically able in order to compete at the same level as everybody else. Esports isn't like that. Um, if you have a computer and a game, you can play esports. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need. Um, and, and everything else is secondary. But we act like, you know, oh, men have inherent competitive advantages over women, or, you know, there's, there's a lot of these old ideas that we're still clinging to that aren't true, um, that have been proven untrue time after time after time, but it's just so burnt into our consciousness that video games are for boys, and that was a lie that was started in the mid-1980s by a marketing agency, and we don't have to adhere to that. Like, esports is incredibly diverse. Um, it's very competitive, and the barrier of entry is basically zero. It's accessible to anybody who has the passion and the commitment and just wants to show up and play. Anybody who wants to play can play. And I would like for our industry to be more welcoming of that and to really embrace that and, and actually open its doors to anybody who wants to play. Yeah, I think a lot of what I'm hoping to continue to see and even more so grow is education and understanding, right? So for me, it's seeing the high schoolers, the middle schoolers have JV and varsity teams and the colleges too, giving away scholarships for esports. I think it's great because 
like Auburn says, it, it is an equalizer, right? So like females and males can compete on a completely same level, same platform without one having advantage over the other. The only advantage is your brain. And so it takes away those, your physical constructs that you don't need to compete with a guy who's 10 times bigger than you and they're going to run faster than you and there's nothing you can do about it. It takes that away and it gives you a leveling playing field to be competitive and win as many titles as you know anybody else. So it takes away genders. It comes down to just a hu basic human, like how you're performing or what you're doing. Um, it just makes everything equal. So I think for me, seeing the growth and the education system and warranting like it is okay to let your kids play these games. It is not a bad thing. It doesn't matter if they're a girl. Um, giving understanding to those parents so that way we can see more female pro players, but also just see more females and kids in general expressing and going through something that they love and it being something serious and not something that's like a joke. Cause I know when I bring up esports to people, they're like, you work with video games? Like you, you do the video game thing? And I'm like, kind of, <laughs> sure, yes. My topic is on video games, but I'm a very business oriented person and my job is very serious and it makes a lot of money. So don't make fun of me. <laughs> so I think that's what I'm looking forward is education and growth and understanding and future generations and seeing where it goes in like 10 years. Absolutely. And yeah, no, you're right on target. My favorite question is, oh, so you work in video games? Yes. Do you play video games? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nah, just, yeah, <laughs> not at all. I'm a competitive solitaire player. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. No, that's that's awesome. And I'd love to close with one last question, um, kind of, you know, continuing the theme that we've talked about. What can if there was one thing that a man could do in the space to make it just a little bit easier for a female coworker, what piece of advice would you give them? Auburn, let's start with you. If you don't mind. Um. Call out bad behavior when you see it. Um, a lot of women, when they call out behavior that is not acceptable in the workplace or that has no place in the industry, their feelings are minimized, they're pushed out, they're mocked, uh, investigations are opened and closed with no action taken, um, or they don't say anything because we've been conditioned to just not stick up for ourselves and not fend for ourselves and take it on the chin and keep on moving. Um, so one of the best things that men can do is when other men are acting poorly, call them out on it and teach them how to be better and to be an exemplary role model for how we treat each other in this space, regardless of race, gender, cat, anything. Um, mm -hmm. and especially if you're in a leadership role, um, be open, please be open to bringing women onto your team. Don't don't think that, oh, they'll be uncomfortable if they're surrounded by men. That's how you continue to have a team with nothing but men on it. Somebody's going to have mm -hmm. to be the icebreaker and you're going to have to be the one to put them there. Um, so don't be afraid to hire women onto your team. I promise you will be better for it. Um, and just make sure that just make sure that they're comfortable. Just just check in with them. I have plenty of male coworkers who are always checking in being like, hey, that wasn't cool. You good. Like, do I need to, you know, help you handle a situation? And I, I also have male coworkers that I know I can go to when I'm having issues with the way that I'm being treated in the office or other things, you know, things that you may not immediately want to escalate to HR, for example. 
it's it's good to I would encourage men to be that person, that sounding board that I don't want to say protector, because I think that's maybe a, a problematic term to ascribe to it. Um, but to be a good ally, just be a good ally um, and, and make sure that, that the women in your space are getting the same opportunities, are getting the same treatment and getting the same respect. Yeah, and I think I. I, my advice would be to just be a good ally. I think that's the, my same advice, but also for men to understand what being a good ally means. Um, because a lot of times I think that miss gets mixed up with like what Auburn says is like being the knight in shining armor or being overprotective. And it's like, we don't need you to protect us. We just need you to be present. And then when something does happen, acknowledge that it was bad tell the other person like hey what you did wasn't really cool um and this is why um and then also i know it's a huge thing to ask but it's like the one thing that i say to everyone it's be very open-minded and be empathetic like put yourself in that person's shoes and would you like to be talked down or talked to the way that you just talked to them like if someone else were to do that to you would you actually be okay with it um and just you know understand why your words hurt that person even though you may not be sensitive why did your actions cause a reaction and like just think about it for a little bit because i guarantee you if you just thought if everyone just thought about it for a second they would completely understand and even though you don't have to say like oh i think you're right just acknowledgement of understanding of why that person is hurt and understanding that i caused that even though i may not agree with it i know that i caused that and i am sorry and I, this is, I understand why it hurt you. Um, I think that would do wonders for people to just be empathetic and keep an open mind. And this Sound is kind open. of a small thing. Sorry, this is, this is kind of a small no, thing, no. but I do want to add it. Don't be that guy who walks into a group meeting, an all hand situation or whatever and goes, okay, guys. Oh, and girls, I'm so sorry. Please, please stop that. Please just yeah, say everyone, I agree. folks. There are so many collective terms that you can use. I don't, it feels so condescending to, I understand that in your brain, you think that that's being inclusive, but the fact that we are tapped on as an afterthought and then apologized for, for not remembering in the first place, that's worse than just forgetting. It is yeah just say just say hey guys and then make a note and then be done with it you don't need to apologize and then be like oh yeah and the girls it's like okay now you're you just look like a butt <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's great and i'm guilty on this podcast of being like yeah guys so it's definitely a condition thing you know for a lot of folks but yes hey friends hey y'all hey people whatever like that's a that's an excellent point um fantastic well thank you both so 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 much for your time and insight today um you both have dropped some gems i know that other women there there's a lot that they can take away from this conversation um and for people who are allies you know are wondering how they can step up and be better or change the the workplace culture and some of the things that are happening and create a space that's welcoming to women as professionals, as athletes, um, anywhere in the gaming and esports industry. Um, before we close, um, I would like to open the floor up for any additional comments, questions, suggestions that you may have, closing thoughts. If there are none, that's fine, but just wanna give you some time to speak from the heart. <laughs> 
Um, I don't. Think... Go ahead, Aubrey. You go first. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say, um, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's human. Um, we're always gonna have problems. We're always gonna have issues that we have to fight for and that we need to change. But at the same time, just remember, everyone's human. Everyone's learning. We all make mistakes, and that if you can keep yourself in a human capacity of understanding which i know for a lot of times it's hard to tell people that because they're like i don't know what you're talking about but just be human treat each other as an individual being don't let whatever experiences that you had with one person affect how you think of like the general populace literally just go by an individual basis and i think you'll be fine and like just stick up for yourself and you know, life's too short to be unhappy and have a lot of depression and a lot of other issues that everyone goes on a daily basis. And remember that there are people there for you even when you feel alone. So I think that's kind of what I wanted to say at the end of all of this is just, you know, we're all human. Man, I don't know how I'm going to follow that, but uh, <laughs> um, I think I would say just don't let anyone tell you that you don't belong here or that you don't deserve to be here because you do belong here you absolutely deserve to be here because you have to work twice as hard to get here as anyone else and this industry needs you this industry needs more women it needs more diversity it needs more of everything really um so this industry needs you and will be better for having you so it'll be a little bit tough um and a lot of people will tell you that you do not belong but you do and um we will be better for having you so here here i love it well again thank you so so much dimitri and Avrin for joining us on the show today uh social handles for both of them are below so be sure to check them out on social media and they're great organizations as well um, like to give a shout out to the Knights and PNC Bank for continuing to talk about, you know, issues like this and providing a platform for learning, growth and understanding. Um, and thank you for tuning into the show, whether this is your first episode or your third. Um, we'll be back this time next month, you know, with a brand new episode with some hot new content talking about um, how to grow the overall industry and how to create a safe and welcoming space for women. So thank you all. Be safe, be kind, and we'll see you next time.